Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today, back by popular demand, uh, a lot of you have requested that I would have back on the show for, I think, the third or fourth time, uh, the one and only John C. Bavona. If you don't remember, uh, John is a senior bio safety officer for the University of Chicago. Um, he has over 15 years of experience uh, working in high containment laboratories with high consequence pathogens like anthrax. Um, highly pathogenic avian influenza. <laughs> He's got a history of training lab workers, clinical care workers, first responders, first receivers, custodial workers um, uh, to safely work and control high-consequence pathogens such as MERS, SARS, and Ebola. In other words, John knows more about COVID than you do. <laughs> and uh, he knows more, a lot more about this than pretty much everybody you'll hear talk about it on TV. And uh, I'm so excited to have him back on. We talk about the vaccine. We talk about variants. We talk about politics a little bit. Uh, we talk about uh, herd immunity. We talk about the lab leak theory. That's not the right term. He, asks, he gives a better term for it. But um, And we talk about masks again, and we talk about all kinds of other things related to COVID-19. And uh, I'm very excited for you to engage this conversation because, again, John knows a ton about it. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Theology in Raw. Support the show for as little as five bucks a month. And a uh, huge thank you to those of you who are supporting Theology in the Raw. All of the info is in the show notes. Uh, please do consider leaving a review of the show so that others can find out about it. So without further ado, let's get to know the one and only, once again, the John C. DeVoe. All right, welcome back to Theology in the Raw, John. Uh, I, I just told you offline that I think you are the most requested guest <laughs> on Theology in the Raw. So thanks for coming back on and uh, being willing to give us an update on on what in the world is going on with COVID these days. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get too much theology, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe COVID uh, Yeah, I almost said, well, they don't get that from me anyway, but I, yeah. <laughs> um, well, for those who don't know who you are, just uh, you know, I already read your bio and everything, but just maybe in your own words, explain you know what's your what's your nine to five job? What do you do? Sure, yeah. So I I'm a senior biosafety officer for the University of Chicago. Um, I work out at Argonne National Lab in a high containment laboratory. It's called the Howard T. Ricketts Laboratory. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's twelve in the United States. They're called regional biocontainment labs, and I work in one of them. And our kind of mission is to come up with therapeutics and vaccines for emerging infectious disease. Um, okay. So obviously anthrax, plague, Ebola in the past, but obviously the the, the one on stage now is, is COVID, SARS-2. So, um, so that's what I do. I do a lot of training. I do a lot of um, training with personal protective equipment, risk assessment, um, kind of in the, in, in the high containment world. So we have, it's been in the news a lot now with Wuhan, with um, high containment lab and how they were work with, working with it. So you see a lot of the experts on TV with expertise in high containment, but there's only 12 in the United States, right, mm -hmm. that are regional biocontainment labs. There might be some small ones um, where a lab or two, but we were designed after 9-11 with the anthrax labs, 12 in the U.S., to do this um, high containment lab, high containment work, emerging infectious diseases with, with these high-risk pathogens. So yeah. 
high-risk pathogens. Pathogens are usually um, rated, they call risk assess, uh, you know, one through four. And yeah. we work with uh, two and three risk, risk group pathogens. And we work with a BSL, so a biosafety level three. So you have you have pathogens that are rated one through four. Um, that's how how virulent or um, you know dangerous the pathogens are. And then you have biosafety levels where how do you manage those pathogens? And mm-hmm. we're a high containment lab, and we're a biosafety level three. So are you? Um, what is your lab? Is that similar to? And we could maybe just go to the lab leak stuff that is being in the news now. Um, that the lab in Wuhan is that basically a Wuhan version of what you do? Yeah, the only difference is so they're a biosafety level four. So oh. they do one through four. Um, so biosafety level four would be something like uh, I don't know if for reference, maybe like the movie Contagion, where you wear level A suits, yeah, um, with supplied air. Um, so, but we're biosafety, the majority of high containment are biosafety level three in, okay. in the U.S. Galveston, there's one U.S. Amrit has one, there's one out in Boston. So there's not a lot. Okay. The majority of the regional biocontainment labs are biosafety level three, but yes, Wuhan, that's kind of in the news lately, just with this, you know, now they're, I think it, the, the, the most phrased verse is lab leak theory. Yeah. Can you explain that? that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Is it? Is that a yeah. legit theory? So, is it likely? Is it a hoax? Or what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So it's evolving a little bit now. I think, <clears throat> I mean, if you remember the audience we talked to, your audiences, we said, we, we, we said early on that, you know, the news were asking, <clears throat> excuse me, the wrong question when they were asking early on and it got political with Trump and, but they were asking, is it man-made? So the governments, you know, the, the NIH and Fauci came out and said, no, it wasn't man-made, which was really at answering that question, was it man-made? But we said, and because we do this research is, well, that's not really the right question. The right question was, was there gain of function research? Meaning you take a bug, SARS, and then you try, so there's gain of function and loss of function. So basically gain of function is you make a bug more virulent, you know, it's more yeah. transmissible, more dangerous, or you can do stuff where you can manipulate the genome where you make it less, right? Yeah. So that happens. We have huge oversight here in the U.S. In our RBLs, if we do that stuff, we have, you know, local, state, federal, you know, where we have to go through committees and approval and training and documentation. We're in China, and we said this early on, was it's not transparent, right? They don't have an open society. Um, so I, I, I was a little um, hesitant when the government came out early on and said, nope, we know, we know, we know. We're getting information from China, and it was, it, 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 you know, it's man-made, or it was from the environment. Huh. So now I think we're seeing is that it's possible. I don't know, Preston, if we're ever going to definitively, absolutely know if it was gain-of-function research, which was you take a bug and then you manipulate it, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, on one side you say, hey, the, the Chinese are good players and they're doing it for good reasons. And then we call it dual use of research, right? Because there's there's pros, there's there's good, and there's evil. Right, you can go back to mankind with that. We, man, mankind can be good and they can be evil. Yeah. So we call dual use research of concern, Dirk. Right. So we don't know where China was. And I'm not going to speculate because the United States has done good stuff with pathogens and we've done evil stuff with pathogens. That's why there's some sort of vaccine. That's why there is some vaccine hesitancy, because 
in the past, the United States government has done evil stuff with pathogens, with African-Americans, with Hispanics. We'll get that maybe a yeah. little bit later. But I think the question <clears throat> is, yeah, it's possible that it was, it was um, from the lab, gain of function, not man-made. Um, but it's still possible it was, you know, from the environment. Remember, too, <clears throat> that um, China has excuse me yeah yeah get it up <laughs> china has you know um uh, open markets right and they repurpose meat so they don't do that in the first world but in the third world that they have meat markets and some of the meat comes from nature but some of the meat comes from these labs where you infect the the animal um with a pathogen Let's just say theoretically we're talking about SARS. So they infect the animal with SARS. They do the research. And then in the United States, we incinerate, you know, when we do animal research. I don't want to get into that. Hmm. But in other countries, that's very valuable meat. So they'll let the disease go through. And they're supposed to do proof of principle and testing just to confirm that there's no, you know, pathogen left in the animal. And then they repurpose and get chicken or steak yeah. you know they repurpose meat so that's still that's in that's on the table too so so i would say everything's on okay so so the, would you say and we can move on from this i'm sure um but is there more or less evidence that it came from the lab or the market or for, from your perspective is it just like it could be either one equally we just don't know it's not like how would we end up knowing or like is there evidence more towards one theory or the other um I think right now it's trending that it was something happened in the lab. Okay. You know, that could have been, again, you know, good purposes, evil purposes. So what happens regularly in high containment? So you think about firemen, you know, they get burnt and they get smoke inhalation. That's part of their job. When you work in high containment labs, you have needle sticks, right? You have animal bites. Um, and then if you don't have a good occupational health program or a, a pro, you know, where you have transparency, like something happens in the lab reporting. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for something to get into the lab and then you get sick and then you go outside and you go into a, a festival and there's thousands of people there. And then you have patient zero on day one and 14 later, 14 days right. later, you have thousands. So, yeah, so I think it's trending there. I don't know if we'll ever know. We would know if, if China, and I don't know, but. I, I guess speculate is that if they were very transparent and let remember they wouldn't let CDC in early on they wouldn't let WHO on early on because they wanted to get in to to see some of the origins what was going on in the lab what were you yeah. doing you know there's even been reports that um, early on some of the scientists in Wuhan changed the sequencing of of uh, of um, the virus that they sent us so we could look at it to say hey was it in the environment or was it in yeah. you know a lab so Fauci came out and said. Uh, based on this information, it looks like it was it came from uh, natural origins. Okay. Well, that was based on information that we got from China. So, so, <laughs> I my my personal feel is I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah. No. Well, it's not. It's not like the Chinese government's the poster children for brute honesty, right? I mean, I I don't. I'm not a politi no. I'm not a political scientist, but from what I've. Right, yeah. and that's very fair, but. It, it wasn't 50 it wasn't a generation ago where the united states was doing that where they yeah, let, were let me let me restate that it, it, it's not it's not as if any government <laughs> i shouldn't i shouldn't pick on 
<laughs> Chinese government, like governments, aren't known for being just super honest and uh, fair. And anyway, and when do we find out when the government hasn't been transparent after yeah. the fact, right? What, what it, and would it matter? Like, what if we found out for sure? Yep, leak, lab leak. What, what is? Does that make any difference at this point? Yeah, at this point, and maybe, would that... maybe a lessons learned kind of thing. But in regards to the pandemic, like preventing it, stopping it, I guess I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Just because there was a really good vaccine now, because if you knew the actual original, it would, might be easier to patch a vaccine or even therapies. That's really what we're really okay. looking at is just therapies, drugs, chemicals that would, would you know, after okay. you get the disease. So, um, so I don't know. It's a good question. Let's go to vaccines. Um, there is, uh, I'm vaccinated. So um, I, th- th- this is, Man, you, if you just even ask a question a certain way, people get really upset with the vaccine. So I'm I'm vaccinated. I'm not uh, anti-vax. Um, uh, but I, I like there is some vaccine. There's some vaccine hesitancy with this vaccine by people that aren't anti-vaxxers, right? Um, now, obviously, if you're anti-vaxxer, you're against the vaccine. But I've seen people who maybe even are vaccinated, but are still like, yeah, I'm just I'm I am nervous about this. It, it, talk to us about the vaccine. Give us the, a, maybe a quick A to Z. Is there any reason to be hesitant or why are people hesitant about this vaccine and not uh, maybe other vaccines? Yeah. So there's three. Um, they're not fully approved yet. So we'll get into that a little bit. FDA, but under emergency use authorization, there's the um, uh, Moderna, Pfizer, which are mRNA. Talk a little bit. That, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. But then there's a Johnson & Johnson, which is more of a traditional it's an adenovirus, so basically, it's like an inactivated virus. Okay. That um, where they take out the you know the parts that are really hazardous, and then they um, they inoculate you to for uh, immune response. So there's three. Um, so the, the two big ones are the the mRNA, Moderna, and Pfizer, and we're probably talking you know uh, hundreds of millions of people have been vaccinated with those in the United States, yeah. right? Now, new technology. The efficacy and safety um, with the 99, 95% is fantastic, right? Um, Are just through the roof with safety, with efficacy um, that uh, have been really, really good. Um, There have been some minor issues with, you know, allergies that people have had, which is consistent with other other, uh, um, vaccines. Um, and then the Johnson and Johnson, which, which they put on pause for a while, which is very debatable if they should have, I, I, my opinion is that they, they were, they, they put that on pause and then the vaccine hesitancy, if it was there probably yeah. was greater because they did that. Right. That was because of blood clots, right? There's, I think six people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, now still the numbers uh, of people had blood clots compared to the, you know, the, um, um, uh, what's happening in, in, you know, in the general population didn't exceed that, but they did that out of abundance of caution. Yeah. But if you go on planes with pregnant women, you know, that risk would have been higher than Johnson and Johnson. So, so I get, I, I get the argument, Hey, we're in a pandemic. Um, we got to do something, but let me just say something in general about vaccines that, and I've been doing this for 15 years and I've trained people for 15 years and point one that I have always trained people is it's risk benefit, right? What's your risk and what's the benefit, both to the bug and to the vaccine. So if you are 
you know, 50 plus, to me, it is a no brainer to get vaccinated. If you are 70 or 65, you know, the older you get, it's just the risk benefit is, you know, quadrants would be in that corner where it, it's the benefit far, far, far outweighs um, the risk, right? Um, that you should get the vaccine. But the, the, what we've always trained is if, if there's very little risk and very little benefit, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's a, it's kind of a personal decision, right? Now we're in a pandemic, so it's not just about you. It's about the people that you're around. Right. Um, so I think for the older population, to me, it's, um, the, the data is there. The numbers have come down. We'll talk about variants maybe in a little bit, yeah. but for, for people that are, you know, if CDC has some great information, they're not perfect, but they have some great information about hospitalization, severe sickness, hospitalization and death by age. And it's almost zero. It's almost zero from like birth to 20. It's not zero. It's not absolute, but right. they're really it's the exception. Right. And then once you start hitting 30, 40 and, and I'm talking, to, you know, obviously, if there's comorbidities and stuff like that, that's all that's all in play. But once you get to that 60, 70, 80, I mean, the numbers just start, you know, exponentially going up. Right. Yeah. So that's why, to me, if you are elderly, there was a thing that came out of Maryland Public Health that uh, 100 people died in June and they were all unvaccinated and all elderly. And I'm thinking, why? We can talk about politics because I've seen it. I'm the people that I'm around um, outside. I mean, kind of two groups, university, which is in general little more uh, liberal Democrat and then the people around church and um, Christian friends are a little more conservative Republican yeah and I know people that are 70 plus and man they just aren't getting it I, and I'm like what you know <laughs> so so I'll just let me just stay focused so but for that to me it's just a um, a slam dunk home run to okay. get it elderly okay now some issues that I've had recently is with kids. So I have just so, so I have I have three, but they're they're older. I have two that are I have a, a 21 and a 20 year old daughter who are in nursing school. Okay, they both been vaccinated because they um, even though their risk would pretty be pretty low, they're they're doing um, they're they're in hospitals all the time, yeah. working with elderly people. So that was part of our risk assessment, right? It was not only about you, but about the people that you work with. And my 17 year old son Charlie, so he. Technically, has, has it's he's been approved for 17 and above, but I haven't we haven't vaccinated him just because his risk is low and he's not around. Yeah, elderly people that haven't been vaccinated, grandma and grandpa's so, have been vaccinated. I do have a question so, about that. So I, I that argument the argument what you're saying makes perfect sense, like pre-vaccine. But now anybody who wants to get vaccinated can walk in to get vaccinated. If they don't, that's their choice. So if so. It, 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 it's not about you. It's about other people. Now that the vaccine is totally available, if somebody chooses not to, they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. So now, you know, teenager affecting an old elderly person. I don't think that that, that to me, it, it doesn't seem as significant now. The other person cho- is choosing not to get the vaccine. Well, I, is, that, I, is that fair or no? Am I, yeah, I think. So, yeah, if because. The elderly have had ample time. Anybody that's high risk has had ample time to get a vaccine. And you're not absolute, but you're in the high 90% of, of not getting hospitalization or severe sickness or death, right? 
So because the, we've, we have vaccinated and it's been out for almost a year, that someone that is much lower risk, I think that's a fair thing. Now, Joe Rogan got hammered, if you remember, hammered for saying that if you're young, you don't have to get vaccinated. And he got hammered by the media and Fauci <laughs> came out. The only thing that Joe Rogan didn't say is if he is not around high risk populations. But if he would have said, if you are if you are 21 and you don't you, you, the world that you live in doesn't include high risk people. Right. Then that is a very fair, objective risk based, science based decision not to get vaccinated. Yeah, that's that seems but fair to me. Yeah. For, um, so just with the kids, you know, um, so full disclosure. So I, I, um, I, I do some consulting on the side where um, we um, review protocols. So I reviewed the, one of the Moderna, chi- you know, the ch- child vaccination ah. studies that was done locally. So I did that. <clears throat> but, you know, they approved it for, I think, 12 to 16 year olds, uh, both of them. And I was looking at these studies and I was just a little concerned. I just wrote some numbers down. So Right now, so WHO does not recommend kids get vaccinated, 12 to 16. Now, they have a little different prerogative where United CDC is just the United States. WHO is looking at the whole world. So their kind of their, their calculation is, well, we can't waste a, a vaccine on a 16-year-old kid oh. that's low risk. And we got some 80-year-old right. person that's not. So th- their, their calculation is a little bit different. But the United States is recommending it you know, for 12 to 17, and there's a real push to get it. And when people ask me, I say, well, let's look at the, what, what the, the data was. So just let me just throw these out there. So yeah. Pfizer got an emergency approval, and they did 2,200 kids. 1,100 were vac- 1,100 got the vaccine, and 1,100 were placebo. 1,100. That N is, is almost statistically zero. So they had a hundred percent efficacy, or yeah, efficacy for the vaccine. So a hundred percent of the kids that had the vaccine did not get it. Ninety-eight point five percent of the people that got the placebo, which is saline, did not get it. Oh wow! So ninety-eight point five percent. So sixteen kids got it, and in the report, Preston, they didn't even mention if it was severe sickness, hospitalization, or death. So what if these 16 kids that got it were asymptomatic? Uh-huh. Is that risk to getting a vaccine, even though it's very low to have side effects, there's still side effects for any vaccine. Yeah. You know, in, in Moderna, the four, it's the same thing. They had, four, they had 1850 on both the placebo and on the vaccine, and four kids got it. So, so four in the placebo group got it, and that's 99% wow. effective. Huh. So, again, they didn't even report if they were symptomatic, asymptomatic, hospitalization, or death. Is, is that because guess, for a person that age, their immune system is just naturally fighting the thing off? And, or, or, like, what, what? Yeah. For some reason, um, and I haven't seen any, you know, kind of consensus on why kids aren't getting it. You know, like what is different between usually the most susceptible are young kids with underdeveloped right. immune systems and the elderly or uh, immunocompromised. But for some reason, kids, you know, as a Christian, I think, hey, God's, you know, got something to do with that. But, you know, 
that's that's that wouldn't fly in a science class. Right. But I, you know, for some reason, kids aren't getting it. Huh. But in these vet, the, the 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 push for these kids to get vaccinated, based on now there's probably a million, couple million kids that have. Got, I, I think I saw something that twenty five percent of kids nationwide have gotten it, which is very low. But if someone were to ask my personal opinion, and people do all the time, I say, hey, check with your doctor first yeah. of all. Check with your doctor. What's what's your kids, you know, status healthcare health wise? But based on both those studies. Let's round numbers. Three thousand kids. They tested. They, they made this decision on three thousand kids. Sixteen got it in one, and four got it in the other. Yeah. That's twenty kids that had sugar stuff. You know, yeah. inoculated them. Got it. It's like that to me. I just yeah. There's people that might be smarter than me, but I don't. That to me, that I don't understand that. And so the other side of the risk assessment is this is new technology. Uh, there, obviously, there's no long term. We don't know in five years if, you know, it's probably fine. But it is it is a little riskier than other vaccines that have been around forever. And we kind of know That's right. the results and everything. Sure. So so I heard I heard a journalist and he got hammered for this. And he's done a ton of re- I forget his name. Um uh, but he's done a ton of research on all the vaccines, and he said he he kind of says pretty much what you're saying. He says if you're at risk, I, I would get the vaccine. He said himself, he's like a healthy forty year old. He says, you know, I'm not against getting it, but I'm really healthy. I'm gonna roll the dice a bit. I don't I don't think I'm highly at risk. But then he said I've got ch- children under twenty, and he said over my dead body will they get this vaccine? And he got hammered for that. But I think. And, and maybe he said it stronger than maybe he should have, or maybe not. I don't know. But it's, I, I think he's exactly your point. And also because, you know, yes, they could be carrier monkeys to give it to grandma, but he says grandma can get vaccinated. If she's choosing not to, if she watched too much QAnon or whatever, and says, I'm not getting to, then she's kind of her, cho- I mean, she's, it's kind of her choice too, you know, which is fine. It's like, hey, that's, we're all making those kind of choices. Um, Even a good question people ask me all the time is, what about the long-term effects? Very fair question. Yeah. It's like there's, we're seeing long-term effects for COVID, right? So remember, we can't have one, you can't ask one without the other. But right. yeah, people oh, yeah, yeah. That's smaller good. It's used with COVID. And that's a year in, so we'll see. It's only been a year. Yeah. So you, nobody can say the vaccine's only going to be good for this amount of time or natural immunity will only be good for this amount of time because it's only been a year. Well, as right. time goes, those questions will be in light, you know, those will be answered. Okay. But that is a very fair question. The long-term effects of COVID are real. I mean, I have a brother-in-law that is still having, he was healthy. He still is, but he's still having some cognitive hmm. issues. Really? Process wow. is just not right, he said. And that has been reported, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you're, you're seeing more, or just, I mean, that's kind of a consistent thing, not with everybody Yeah. that's in play, but a very fair question is what's the long-term effects. Okay. So if I'm 75, and I and and COVID, I they get the vaccine, and it adds ten more years, and their side effects five years from now, ten years from now. Hey, risk based. That was a still a good question, right? Or a good decision. If I'm 17, 15, 12, you know, and um, the government's telling me you got to do this to go to school, and then ten years later, twenty years later, thirty years later, I we you don't know for anybody to say that they know definitively. That there's going to be no long-term effects, I think is just it's it's not right, yeah. you know. 
Well, that's so. helpful. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, oh, shoot. What was I going to ask? Vaccines. Well, I want to talk about the Delta variant, but there was something else. Um, well, shoot. Oh, 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 herd immunity or natural immunity or whatever. What's the correct is herd immunity yeah. the correct phrase or is that the pop phrase yeah so so that's another sticking point that i have a little issue with with the media narrative is that herd immunity historic and i've been training this for 50 so it's not new yeah is always been um the uh, combination of vaccinated vac- vaccinated people and people who have had the disease so herd immunity then the the percentage is they, you know, anywhere between 70 and 85%. So if you watch some of the narrative just about, well, we're not at herd immunity because only 160 million people have been vaccinated. But well, to me, that, that that is not consistent with what we've always said. We've always trained that it's, it's both vaccine and natural immunity. And there has been some fantastic studies out of Israel. It was the biggest ever that was done. And nature just came out with natural immunity um, so we'll kind of combine these two things, natural immunity and herd immunity, but they both said that it's possible that if you've had a, 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 uh, um, 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 an infection with, it's been substantial, not asymptomatic, but if you've had it, you may have, um, um, lifetime immunity, okay. you know, like chickenpox that's in play. That is definitely in play that if someone has had a, a, you know, a little more severe sickness that they may have immunity for the rest of their life. Time will tell. Okay. But Israel did this study where they wanted to see, they wanted to compare the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, yeah. and they wanted natural immunity. And and they saw that that Pfizer was fantastic. They were like mid to 90s on um, cases, hospitalization, severe sickness, and death. They were all like, you know, mid, ni- mid to high 90s. Natural immunity and all was at either equal to that or a little bit higher. Oh, wow. And you don't hear that. I don't understand why that narrative is just about herd immunity is just about um, um, vaccination. Now, a variant could come and and throw this all off, right, which we'll talk about in a second. But if you think about, let's just throw general numbers out there. So we got 330 million Americans. We have 160 that have been fully vaccinated. Um, So write this down. So 160 fully vaccinated. We have 35 million diagnosed cases. And CDC said we have um, five times more people undiagnosed. So that's 35 times five is what? Get my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 150, 175, is it 175? That's embarrassing. I hope I didn't but- butcher that. <laughs> I don't... So 175, right. So. You have so you if you add those numbers, those are actually greater than the, the population. Now, what is missing is that there's probably been millions and millions of people that have have had, you know, were undiagnosed or diagnosed and got the vaccine. Oh, so okay. we're probably so you're talking pr- probably I'd just throw a number, just say 50 million people have either diagnosed, undiagnosed, but then got the vaccine. Wow. So we're right about. 75, 80, 85 percent of the population that's either been fully vaccinated or has had it, right? Yeah. The herd immunity number that is always I hear about 75 to 85. We're right there 
But that is consistent with they call the wild type strain, the original strain, the OG, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what? What? What's thrown in here? What's what? What just throws a monkey wrench is is variants. Right. So very, I want to I want to get there, but real quick. So I, I've heard again. I love you know. I hear all this stuff, and I have you on the fact check everything I've heard. <laughs> um, I've heard some people say that. I mean, if you've if you have had COVID, um, you. And I think you just said it. Like you are more protected from getting. Like you're you're. That's all. That's in a sense slightly better than even having getting vaccinated. Um, first of all, second of all, if you've already had it, there's scientifically, you don't need to get vaccinated now, practically, politically, whatever. Would that be correct? If you have already had it, you recover, maybe you're asymptomatic, whatever, just on a scientific level, should you go get vaccinated? Yeah. Good question. I, this would be like a, uh, MD, your personal, personal yeah. physician, but what they're seeing right now, like the biggest study that was done was, is that was done in Israel was that it was as good, but that is against as good, if not better, yeah. natural immunity. Both very high, but that's with the original strain. Okay. So oh, okay. The, the, so, the original strain is never going to come back and be like the prominent, you know, variant now. Now it's it's all the new stuff now. So the, so vac- the vaccine could add more protection against variants, whereas if you just had the original strain, you're not necessarily protected against variants. Is that... That's right. They both okay. could be a little bit better or a little bit worse with a, any variant that comes. The vaccine could be better or natural immunity, or we can get a variant that comes where your natural immunity mean is, is not working, is, is really decreased, your natural okay. immunity. The one thing that might be a little bit different is the variant, because it's engineered in a lab, um, they try to, you know, it was designed to think about variants where your natural immunity ah. just... Even though you might get some cross immunity, there could be some variant that comes where natural immunity is just not doing anything. It's unlikely that that would happen just because the COVID, they're saying, it's not going to change too much. Um, it's going to change a little bit with some of the, you know, with some of the variants and mutations and stuff like that. But it can't, if it changes too much, then it's not going to, it won't be as infectious. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, let's let's go to variants then. So uh, maybe just explain what, what a variant even is. And then, um, you know, we had the Delta one that's kind of new. Uh, was there one? There, and I'm, I'm going to, yeah, fact check me, please, on this. There, there's the UK one, right? And then the South Africa. And then something's going on in India. I don't know if that's like a variant thing. But anyway, that's the yeah. extent of my knowledge on it. <laughs> well, so it can be confusing because there's different, you know, nomenclatures where WHO use stuff, CDC stuff used, you know, where it's, you know, COVID-19, HB, you know, all the different names and stuff like that. But Basically, it's just a mutation. So what what viruses do are kind of just wicked awesome, as they might say out east, is they just adapt and they evolve and they change. So I could have, you know, the original strain. Um, I, I get infected, and then what comes out of me is something a little bit different, you know. And that what just because of the the mutation that happens inside someone is that it can come out and it can infect somebody that might be a little bit more transmissible, transmissible, a little bit less, a little more lethal, a little less lethal. And that just, it just, that's what happens um, just with viruses. So what you're seeing is you had the original and then you're seeing we're at Delta. There was another one that was Epsilon that's come out. And so you're just going to, this is going to kind of ping pong from the developed to undeveloped where you're going to see this variant come from here and this variant go and then kind of go back and forth. 
But the main one that we're talking about is Delta, the Delta variant, which is much more transmissible um, than the original. Um, and so basically what that does is if you think about, you know, like a fuse on a bomb, right? So you have, you have a beginning of an outbreak and you had the original and you had a fuse that was 20 feet long before there was exponential growth in, in an outbreak. Well, what Delta will do, Delta, because it's more transmissible, it, it, it's going to shorten that fuse. Okay. So from the time it starts spreading, until you start seeing exponential growth, it could start happen a lot quicker. I just now just yesterday, University of Chicago, which is very very conservative when it comes to this, we're not mask. I don't have to mask anymore at work. Hmm. Um, but I just read that California is going back. They're going back to masking today. Huh. You know, so because of Delta because Delta is really starting to increase. The numbers are still relatively low but they're starting to you know it's starting to go from like zero to a thousand or something like that so yeah so i i don't know the answer of where it's going we actually started doing some research on delta which is with some you know different chemicals and drugs and stuff like that but we definitely know it's it's more transmissible in regards to if it, it, it you know if it's more lethal um, um we don't know that yet okay uh, but this is what's going to be kind of I don't want to say cool, but what would be pretty cool to see is if you're going to see a huge difference between people that are vaccinated yeah. and unvaccinated. This is like a real-time science experiment right so we, here. We don't know if if you've been vaccinated, uh, does that guard against Delta, or are you saying we just, we're not quite sure? We're not quite sure. In the lab, it looks like yes, right? Okay. So they, they'll call, like, you do lab studies, but, but not until you see human subjects, which okay. we all are. Well, you really see, you know, the proof will be in the pudding, right? We have most people think that if you've been vaccinated, that uh, with Delta specifically, that you're going to have some sort of protection. Okay. Uh, what we don't know, and what we'll find out too, is natural immunity. We're going to find out if people that have had natural immunity, what happens with this Delta. But what I'm really going to be interested in is to see um, what if the unvaccinated, because there's still millions of people, you know. Um, that that um, right now probably just don't want to get it for whatever reason. Yeah, and we're going to start seeing if that um, what happened in Maryland, a hundred deaths, hundred percent unvaccinated, it will start happening, you know, nationwide, which will be really really unfortunate because people in the third they're really getting hit hard in Asia and Africa, and that's kind of a first world argument we have right where they don't have those over there. In Asia and Africa, but I ain't getting no, no, no. There's this in there, and there's a little bit of this preservative or additive. And meanwhile, what's happening in the third world, and we're arguing over, yeah. you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so time will tell with it. And I think just because with the incubation period is usually about two weeks, so we're going to see it's starting to tick up. We'll see in two weeks what what happens. Okay. I guess my my guess would be it's not gonna. We're never going to be. I won't say never. I'd be. It's un, it's unlikely that we're ever going to be at numbers where we were okay. um, last year. Where you know, I think hundred thousand people were dying. I don't want to um, quote that, but a lot of people were dying. A lot of hospitalizations just because um, the original strain and vaccine. It's it'll you know we're at seventy eighty percent. So I don't think we'll ever get to the okay. degree. I don't you know no absolutes with a variant that comes and just yeah. kicks our butt. Uh, um, 
the uh, so uh, the Delta variant. What was the UK and the South Africa? Are those different variants or the same thing? Or yeah, I I'm not sure how they if if it was UK and then they called it the Delta. I'm not really sure about okay. the actual variants. Okay, you know the name, but yeah, different <clears throat> ones, and they're going to ping pong back and forth. You're going to see that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of researchers that I know and that I respect that say the only way out of this is is people vaccinated worldwide or else it's just gonna it's just gonna keep going. Okay. So even though the United States it looks like we're coming kinda coming out of the tunnel, the rest of the world, you know, yeah. it's it, it's interesting. Now that's that's another argument for everybody getting vaccinated, including kids, not not just their kind of individual potential affection of other people, but it, just on a, on a on a community level, we could stamp. Is everybody's vaccinated? This thing would just end up fizzling out. So right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yes, yeah. I don't know if well, I mean I don't know what the vaccine rates are in some of you know third world Asia, Africa. You know, yeah. Olympics are ha- you know, Japan. I'm kind of shocked they're really struggling again now, huh. and they're on lockdown in some places in Europe. And so from, I yeah. you know. We're still from a pandemic, you know, definition worldwide. We're still in the thick of it, even though I think the U.S. is, I think we're coming out of it. But well, we'll see. What know, happened in uh, what was going on in India? Is it still? I mean, a lot of deaths, right? A huge uptick. Why was yeah. why was that? Is it just people? Yeah. Well, if you just think about some of the controls that you know, with you know, distancing and masking, and you know, um, they just can't do, you know. Um, they can't, I mean, they're all living in general, you know, they're, the living situations are much, much different than in the United States. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, you, uh, you mentioned, well, offline that, uh, well, I'll just ask the question. Have you, since I had you on about a year ago, um, actually I think it was like last fall. Have you, have you changed over the last year on your, what you've seen, based on your research, your evidence that you've been looking at? Um, what are some yeah, think, things that you said maybe a year ago that you would not say now? Yeah, I was, you know, shocked early on how quick the vaccine rolled out. Okay. You know, I think everybody that I interviewed with or had me on, I said, wow, you know, Trump is really ahead of his skis on how quick he thinks he's going to get this vaccine. And he was the president and he got it done. I mean, he whatever he did, if he did not a lot or none, nothing, um, he he uh, um, provided a environment and culture to get it done quick, mm-hmm. and uh, that happened. And I was rough on him with a lot of stuff, but he he mm-hmm. he did a good job with that. You know, so that's what I was surprised. I told a lot of people, well, just because I'm in vaccine research and it takes years to get stuff, mm-hmm. you know, through all the different governing agents and regulations, and you know, so he cut a lot of the red tape you know, um, with funding. And I saw that firsthand. So someone says, Oh, he didn't do anything. I, you know, we saw the funding to come in really quick. So that, that's one thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised how, so I would kind of coin myself an evangelical Christian, but they're one of the people that aren't getting vaccinated. Hmm. It's blacks, Hispanics, and, um, evangelical right wing, um, Christians for some reason, and I understand the black and Hispanic. My in-laws are Hispanic; they're Mexican. My my dad, my father-in-law is from Mexico, and he's seen some, you know, just uh, government you know, corruption when it comes to that. So I get why that's he- they're they're hesitant. Is you know, that I why get- it's hesitant because of the history of people of well, color could, being so, 
I that's the lot that to me that makes sense why why African Americans and Hispanics would be hesitant because of even Indians where they use those as human subjects or they told them they were given the medicine and they were given them the you know the the, the infection and you know so there, mm-hmm. we have a history of that right mm-hmm. so I understand that even though when if it came to your life but what, usually when you're 60 70 you're like you're you're dug in so I understand that what I don't understand is the, the Christian community that it, there's an element that has become so right where it's just like a political Christian thing where, and I know some that are great Christians and they serve and they're working in inner city and just doing the mission, but no, I'm not getting there 70 plus and, and it's a political thing to them where it's like, it's almost where, there's like an allegiance to this, you know, yeah. part of Christianity that is hard to find in the Bible. Is, but yeah, who, that really shocked me. Who who on the right is anti-vaccine? I mean, the, I mean, Trump got vaccinated. <laughs> He's pretty on the right. Uh, ben Shapiro is pretty popular conservative. He's very pro-vaccine. He's even pro-mask. I mean... He's very libertarian. Do what you want, but it, when okay. when masks were a big deal, he was ab- so. Who am I? I mean, I don't listen to a lot of commentators, especially right wing commentators. But is there somebody on the right that's like? No, I think it's the it's the um, kind of the government conspiracy and okay. Uh, but there's an element into in in that that we're uh, don't tell them it's it's my choice. You know, they always use the argument. You okay. Know, that, I'm pro-choice. Well, if you can say that about a woman's body, I can say that about, you know, me getting vaccinated. And But it's almost sad, you know, especially when we talk about this risk-based thing, right? Hey, you're 18. Okay, I get it. You're not around elderly people. I get it. But you're 70-plus, you know, um, maybe overweight, have compromised immune system, but you're just not getting it. I just don't hmm. – to me, it's just not a science-based, risk-based, you know um, – even a Christian ethic, you would probably be able to speak to that more with all the evidence that we have of why a 70-year-old just wouldn't want to get it. Like, no, I'm good with that. Maybe that's okay if you want to die and you're not going to hurt anybody else and you just don't want to get it, I guess. I guess there's Yeah. But it just kind of shocks me. It, it is – I mean because everything's been so politicized and there's been a lot of just backtracking and changing of opinions, I, 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 can, I can see – where somebody would just say, I don't trust anybody anymore. Like, I don't, I, I don't, it's like everything's like, I, here, here's a thought experiment for you, John. Let's go back in time to uh, March or April. What, imagine a world where Donald Trump was very much pro masking. What would that world look like in the wake of that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to predict. That right. anybody who's on the left would be anti-mask. <laughs> yeah. I would say, because right now it's very, it's very much a right-left thing, right? Like if you see someone with a mask, you know they're a Democrat nine times out of ten. If you see someone without a mask in a place where they should be masking nine times out of ten, they're going to be Republican. Why? Because it all comes down to, right? I mean, t- <laughs> yeah. because they- Trump was more anti-mask, especially early on, and everything's so polarized that either you're pro Trump or anti Trump either you yeah. you know but that but even that alone like that thought experiment 
raises the question, how much of mask wearing or not mask wearing is even based on any kind of scientific convictions? And how much is based on political allegiance? I'm just going to maybe cynically say it's so much more of the latter on both sides. Well, I do know. So one of the things, and I don't want to get into a math debate, but one of the things that I do, and not a lot of people do that, but I, I certify filters. That's what one of the one of the, my position descriptions. I have photometer. I have an aerosol generator. I can decrease and increase the size of, of aerosols. I can put a piece of, piece of material, and I can quantitatively tell you how much is getting through a filter. Yeah. Half the people that are on TV, don't, they don't know crap, you know, excuse my language. They don't know anything about certifying filters or respirators, anything like that. They're just making a political statement or this is what I heard. That, that's what I do. That's one of the things. I've told people, come to my lab, bring whatever mask you want, yeah. and you will see. We'll generate some aerosol, whatever type you want. You want a big aerosol, you want small, you want a droplet. We'll put that through your filter, and you'll see a reduction. So that that huh. that is just – to me, it's settled. Now, it doesn't. It's not. Wait, absolute. wait. Sum, summarize your point. You're saying so wearing a mask does reduce the. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But what happened, and we talked about this earlier, not to retread it, but we talked about on the left, they said it's absolute. You wear a mask and you're 100% protected. <laughs> and then the people on the right said, masks, they're not. They don't. They do don't anything, you know, yeah. They're political. And Fauci changed his mind and he <laughs> said this and then he said, and I get all that. And that's what all the confusion yeah. is. But that's one of the things that I do yeah. on a daily basis. I certify filters, you know, and those are filters. You could just as a material, a mask is a filter, Yeah. you know, so, but yeah, it's become politicized and it's just, you know, it's people on both sides. They don't know what they're talking about now. And they're, it's, it's a political state. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and maybe I misremembered, but I thought you said before that masks reduce the spread of droplets, but they don't. Is my, they don't guard against aerosols, or is it they they still do reduce the spread of even aerosols? Or I, I don't know, maybe summarize your view on masks. And it no, you're right there. So droplets, yeah, mask mask reduce a, you know, at least fifty percent of droplets when it become when it comes to aerosols, much less effective, much much less effective. But remember, we talk about dose too. So you get infected based on dose, like how much. So obviously, the bigger the particle, the more dose of COVID you have. So a droplet is much bigger than an aerosol. Now, an aerosol might, you know, they, they it, it can get in, you know, into your your airways and affect different ways. But the main route still is droplets. Aerosol is still in play, no doubt about that. Masks are not nearly as effective. Um, at, at um, but it still reduces. I can put it, I, I can take an aerosol generator, really small. Most penetrate. We'll get a little sciencey now. The most penetrating particle is the one that's 0.3 microns in size. I can take my aerosol generator and I can make it 0.3 microns, which is the most penetrating, mm-hmm. and I can put it through a filter, and and, and have a, a instrument called a photometer, and I can measure it, and it reduces. It, it's much less with aerosol. There's no doubt about that. Okay. I think people on the left in general said, oh. It protects you against everything, and that's not true either. And it's it, the kind of, like when you walk around, or maybe several months ago, and see people wearing masks. Are you like, are they are they on right? What the cloth mask? What about bandanas? And I remember I was in <laughs> I was in uh, some Mexican food joint a while back, and there's some twenty something girl. I swear she had like a lingerie mask on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, it's, she's covered, but it's like I can see her teeth. Like I can see, <laughs> oh, I know. Um, like 
they're does it depend does it depend on what kind of mask and how they're wearing it and are you seeing people like yeah they're definitely as long as something's on your face or i mean i'm in indiana so i don't see anybody masking (laughs) (laughs) but in chicago still people are but yeah that that's all in play right and masks are just one tool so when you take mask and then you do social distancing and you wash your hands Mm -hmm. you know when you do that it's kind of a compound effect that decrease your risk so Masks just by themselves, yeah. if you're close to 100 people in itself, is going to reduce it a little bit. But when you add these yeah. distance, mask, washing, you know, contact, that all, you take all that stuff, the compound effect is you're decreasing yeah. your risk, yeah. uh, you know, substantially. Not zero. And you could still get it right. with aerosol. You're right. Someone can cough, aerosolize, you can breathe it in. What we still don't know is the dose. So we don't know how much okay. it takes to get and that would all, you know, once we, as they do more and more aerosol studies, that might be answered. But is the CDC um, correct when they when they said, um, "Hey, if you've been vaccinated, the masks you don't need to wear a mask um, anymore"? Or I don't, I don't know if they said it exactly like that, but yeah, they just, I, 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 your risk if you've been vaccinated or natural immunity, your risk is really low, right? And wearing a mask would wouldn't do it wouldn't do zero but it you know i'm trying to give an analogy it would it wouldn't do a lot it it would help a little bit right especially if if you were around someone that was symptomatic or let's say i was i i was symptomatic me wearing a mask would really prevent a spread of my droplets to someone that's vaccinated or not vaccinated now the person that's been vaccinated is probably going to be if they do get it i i know a lot of people that have been not a lot i know a handful of people that have been vaccinated that got it, but they were very, very um, asymptomatic if, with little sim- or some with little symptoms. So wearing a mask would prevent that, would prevent a big droplet coming, a big sneeze coming out and just someone just um, breathing it in. So it would help a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, where, where else have you uh, changed your mind on anything or not changed your mind, but like based on further study, is there anything else um, that you... No, I think... Um, um, vaccine I was shocked in. But in regards to the science part of it, I think the origins was something that I've always been on on the table is that it could, it could have been a lab leak or gain of function. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other than that, um, I think, you know, um, you know, what I've, you know, told the audience or other audiences has been pretty right on, but I do think it's because that's what I do. I work in a high containment lab. A lot of the people that are on TV don't work in high containment labs. (laughs) You don't know what gain of function is. Um, they don't know um, what a respirator and a mask is. They don't know how to test these things, so they just kind of spout that out. So, I think one of the advantages is that this is what I, this is actually what I do. It's yeah. not something I know in theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the fall, uh, is there any reason why schools shouldn't be fully back in school? I mean, is that? Um, I, th- I think everybody's going back to school in the fall, isn't it? You said California. They're going back, but they're going to require masks or. Yeah, I don't. I just heard that this morning. So that could change a little bit. But yeah, I so my son was in high school and he was he went. I had him go back 100 percent. They had an option last year, but I think most schools around here are going back 100 percent. The only caveat would be the union run city of Chicago schools that that run the show there, which is kind of sad. But um, so interesting to see what with something I might. Um, yeah, I want to get into that, but yeah, so 
from a risk-based, science-based, yeah. um, you know, kids should be going back. Even the, the top people are saying, hey, the, the, the um, side effects of you know, mental health, all that stuff for kids, they should be going back. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, it should be with masks, try to distance a little bit. The kids need to be in school. Yeah. And that is, to me, it's just another slam dunk where yeah. unless something changes where the infection rate of kids starts you know, really climbing, but kids need to be in school. That that's the yeah the side of the mental side effects. That's something I don't hear as much, or I, unfortunately, I feel like I only hear it on the right. Maybe that that kind of like what about all the other side effects that you know yet we have to mitigate of mental health and um because that that's really I mean gosh uh, I agree one hundred percent and from a, from a political perspective and I try to be pre- really independent when I'm watching is that. I, I don't hear a lot of people on the left talking about mental health with, with kids. And if you think about that, that high school age, probably the most vulnerable mental health time of your life is in high school. Now you're going to tell a kid to go on Zoom. I think the ghosting in city of Chicago, CPS, of people not even going on Zoom, it was like 70%, Preston. Wow. You can't have kids let alone in, 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 in families that, you know, have mom and dad and just following up with them. But if you don't have any follow-up, yeah. way. I think if I was a kid, you know, my dad died young, so it was just my mom, single mom who worked. And if he told me to sit in front of a computer for eight hours to go to yeah. school, I'd be like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, kids need to be in school because and the mental health is huge. We yeah. don't even know the long-term effects of that, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, sticking your neck out there. I know probably everything you have said is, you know, uh, debated and, and, you know, people might disagree or whatever. But um, I love having you on because, like you said, this is this is what you do. You're not just some person who's read some studies. You're you're doing the studies. So uh, thanks for being willing to come on. I know you probably got a busy day out there in Chicago. So. Um, yeah, best luck to you. I'll probably call you in a couple months and say, hey, John, yeah. <laughs> something else flared up. I need to have you back on. <laughs> Let's do it. I appreciate your time. All right. Take care, man.